Welcome to the podcast for people turning the great American RV adventure into stressless camping. We're glad you joined our weekly adventure. Now let's gather around the campfire with our hosts, Peggy and Tony Barthel. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and You're well, as welcome as can be. Absolutely, and welcome to the campfire. Uh, another great week. We are on episode number 10, so we're just moving right along here. That there's Peggy Sue over yonder. And that there's Anthony Broderick Barthel. Well, we'd like to welcome you back, or if you're a first-time listener, howdy. Welcome. Welcome. It's, it's a pleasure to have you here. We have this Facebook group. Of course, you can join it. There's a link in the show notes. And by the way, the show notes, if you look at our website, Stressless Camping, there is a podcast button right on the homepage. And from there, we have notes, photos, all kinds of recaps from the show that might be worth checking into a lot of times the pictures are fun and there's also links if we talk about something and want to be able to share the link with you to that item or that site then we put those links in the show notes as well absolutely uh sometimes that's discounts too so right definitely check that out but back to the discussion there was somebody who brought up should we be able to stay longer on sundays at the campground Wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. Especially if you're camping local and there's no rush to get home. A couple extra hours of just not having to get up and rush in the morning would be super cool. Yeah, because let's be honest. I mean, you let's say you're fortunate enough if you're a weekend warrior and you get to the campground on Friday. Well, then you have all day Saturday to enjoy that beautiful campground. But then Sunday morning you wake up and it's like, yeah, fooey, I gotta... Get up, lock up, or yeah. get up, load up, and get going. Yeah, and that's a little bit of a bummer. It's, it is. It's not as much stressless camping. No, it's not. So, by coincidence, we have friends who own campgrounds and we pigeonholed them and said, hey, <laughs> what do you think of this idea? And they were not as enthused about it as we <laughs> thought. And I said, well, what about if you... Let us stay longer on a Sunday, assuming that there's not someone else coming into the campground. Sure, you don't want to share your space with the next guy. Right. Or you don't want them pushing your RV out with their RV. That's always rude. Especially if you're next to the river. (laughs) Well, it's a free RV wash. (laughs) But uh, RV and boat, it's, it's both. Yeah. They seem to be interested in the idea if maybe there's a little extra charge, like let's say half a day's. Maybe the day use fee or something. Yeah, whatever, something like that. I don't know why they were reticent about it, but they certainly were. And so, well, anyway, we will continue. But what do you think? Join us over on the Facebook group and weigh in on your thoughts about should you be able to buy additional time on a Sunday? It would make the camping experience, especially for weekend warriors, in my opinion, much, much better. Yes, That's what we were discussing on the old waste of time that is Facebook. Facebook. So this week, as you may or may not know, Peggy and I used to own a bed and breakfast for seven years. We had a place called the Featherbed Railroad. It was a bed and breakfast in beautiful Lake County, right on the second oldest lake in the world. It was terrific. It was, and it was well, all... It is terrific. Yeah, it's it still not ours is. anymore. Uh, it's all made out of old vintage railroad cabooses, and each room has its own unique theme and 
of the nine rooms that are there, seven of them have a jacuzzi tub in them. Yep, big two-person jacuzzi tub right there in the room. Yep, so it's a pretty romantic place, but that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) What we're talking (laughs) about is we, or I specifically, had to take a safe food handling course. And so I got my certification as a safe food handler. He's certifiable, guys. Uh, Yeah, indeed, (laughs) in many ways. But I also know, at least I hope, how not to poison people with the eats. We seem to do okay for seven years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, nobody ever got sick or anything like that. And so we thought we would bring that topic right here to the Stressless Camping Podcast because not having to spend your entire getaway in the restroom is definitely (laughs) stressless camping. Definitely. You know. And there's a little bit um, a little bit more work maybe involved in food safety when you're camping because you don't have quite the amenities that you have at home. Yeah, at a restaurant or in a commercial kitchen, I can't tell you the volume of water you're going through. It is insane. Hmm. Uh, dishwashing, hand washing, utensil washing. You can't use this utensil to touch that and right. multiple cutting boards and all that stuff. You are going through water like mad. And obviously in an RV, you're limited in how much water you can use and how many resources you have. So we've kind of adapted this to the RV lifestyle and hope uh, hope it helps you to stay healthy, happy, and not sick. First, let's start with the three T's. The time, temperature, and tools are kind of critical aspects for restaurant safety so time time is how long something can stay at a certain temperature how long it sort of has to stay at that temperature and t of course temperature tools (laughs) yeah so there's time how long something will stay at a certain temperature and obviously temperature and tools not cross-contaminating and that's something that a lot of home cooks don't recognize or don't yeah don't pay as much attention to right and one of the i think biggest things is the knife and cutting board combo i don't think it's completely uncommon unfortunately that people use their they cut a i don't know a chicken and throw it in the pot and then they cut up the carrots to go with it right yeah. there on the contaminated cutting board yeah with the same knife or maybe give it a quick cold rinse and that's just that's not good that's not good that's a great way of spreading bacteria chicken in particular you have to cook we're going to get into food temperatures later but chicken in particular you you kind of have to cook the devil out of it (laughs) and uh yeah you can if you use the same knife to cut raw meat and then cut raw vegetables oh that that is just such an opportunity to spread bacteria and i have to say that i well i really i really like knives i don't know there are a lot of different types of knives and so sometimes not only is it bad to use the same knife for two different jobs but sometimes if you have two different knives that are actually made for doing those two different things it makes life a lot easier you know like we have a knife that's specifically called a tomato knife it's a serrated knife if you try to cut through a tomato with a flat edge knife it kind of squishes the tomato but the serrated knife cuts right through the tomato without smashing through it yeah and you know speaking of knives you 
one day I woke up and I was on this big wheel with all these balloons attached to the wheel <laughs> and these people were spinning it around and Peggy was throwing knives at me. It was so weird. I, that's why I like knives. Yeah. <laughs> God. And also the cutting boards. <laughs> like we have a set of Pampered Chef cutting mats that are color coordinated, color coded. So we have we have a green one that we use for our vegetables. We have a red one that we use for our meat, and we have an orange one that we use for our bread and other sort of non wet, I guess, <laughs> items. Yeah. Okay. That's that's <laughs> one way of putting it. And one of the easiest ways potentially to do your food prep on the road is to do it before you get out on the road. I love, right. as I think we've discussed, oh, we have because we've talked about Definitely small kitchen Definitely talked hacks. about it before, yeah. We have the smallest kitchen in the world in our travel trailer. <laughs> and um, while we've made good use of this space, I still think one of the easiest ways of doing things is to do all our food prep in advance. And for example, this past weekend I had pre-made all veggie lasagna which was pretty darn good i had chili i had hot dogs we pre well, we did make the chili oh that's right but it we was did. pretty You're right. simple pretty yeah. simple set of ingredients and just simmered it on the on the pan in the pan for a while yeah but and we didn't but if there were fresh vegetables in that we would have pre-chopped them and had them in containers and then just been able to pour them into the pan or into the salad bowl or into whatever. Yeah, and that's assuming, now here's another thought, if you're full-timing, your kitchen is your kitchen. Well, this is true. So then, you know, you're you're going to have to really work within prep, the limitations. Pre-prep. True, that's true. So anyway, uh, back to your cutting boards and all of that. Yeah, keep your meats separate from your veggies and anything that, especially if you have something that's, going to be cut and then eaten for example let's say bologna or some sort of cold cuts or something like that and you slice it don't use that same cutting surface for raw meat it's just god the the opportunity to for bacteria is significant yeah so you could say oh i just ate a a sandwich and, and you hadn't properly washed that knife and boy that's that's how and then you wonder why, you know, if, if you don't realize you've done it and then you get sick, you're just like, well, I don't know. All I ate was a sandwich. I don't understand how yeah. I can get sick. One of the things I think every cook should have, no matter what, is an instant read thermometer. One of those, you stick it in the chicken or stick it in the chili One? or, well, multiple what? is better. You have I know. Four? <laughs> Again, a lot of times it's easier to do what I say rather than what I do because well, I'm no, nuts. But actually, you have one. It's because we have one in the kitchen, one at the barbecue at home, one in the camper. So that way, it's not something we have to think to pack when we're going. We just always have it available. Right. And it is good. And I'll put a link in the show notes also on how to calibrate them. It's good to make sure that it's calibrated. But as you're cooking, especially meats or stews that sort of stuff uh check the te- the internal temperature it's not yeah. the external because obviously stuff gets hot on the outside and the temperature transfers to the inside so when you're cooking let's say it's uh, grilling chicken and i love grilling lemon pepper chicken you have to use that instant read thermometer and put it into the thickest part of the chicken 
and measure the temperature there. And if you have chicken with bones, then you put it into a thick part of the chicken and don't touch don't the touch bone. Don't touch the bone. Because that'll give you a false reading. Uh, instant read thermometer. And also, it's good to use that same device. And I like the digital ones, but, you know, I like digital everything. <laughs> um, I like the digital ones because it's just immediately apparent what the temperature is i don't have to wear my glasses it's it's kind of awesome <laughs> um and then i use that also to check the temperature of things that have been sitting out like potato salad or dip or any of that stuff wait you just stick it in a piece of meat and then you stick it in your potato salad no, that would be cross-contamination so then you will want to sanitize it between uses and one of the ways is a food grade wet wipe type of thing a single use like one of those, I don't know, Clorox wipes. That would be an okay way of sanitizing that thermometer between uses. Yes. Because, yeah, you don't want to. That's another way you could easily cross-contaminate food is put that thing into some half-finished chicken. And then, oh, I want to see what the potato salad's like. <laughs> and then next thing you know, there's more seats than places <laughs> to sit in the bathroom. Never, never a good thing. Well, how do you know when your meat is actually done? Well, we're going to get to food temperatures in a oh, minute. Sorry. But let's go back to... Um, so let's say you do have dips out and potato salad and all that. And I see so many people just leave them out in the sun. And no, that's just super bad. So what I like are those kind of ice sheets. I don't know how else to describe them. They're like plastic... Yeah, they're like pillows, and yeah. they have some kind of a stuff inside that refreezes, and then it hold. If you, once they're frozen, they stay frozen or cold for several hours. Yeah, so you you wrap that around containers of potato salad or what all dips things like that, and uh, there's right. no water, so you're not going to actually dilute the things, and uh, those things work pretty well. Uh, maybe a, a rubber band wrapped around. A couple of sheets of those wrapped around a container of potato salad or something can yep. work well. And again, how do you know? Instant read Instant thermometer. Instant read thermometer. And if you don't have those uh, those pillow sheets, you actually, you know, I, you know, it's not that hard to get a little bit bigger bowl and put some ice cubes in it. No, uh, no. And a lot of RVs now have ice makers, or a lot of people are bringing ice makers yeah. with them too. So even Peggy has one. Now. Even I have an ice maker. So Yay. there you go. I know. By the way, here's something that a lot of people don't know. You know how you get those veggie platters? And obviously there's the black plastic part on the bottom where the veggies and dip are. Mm -hmm. And then there's the clear plastic lid. Uh huh. If you flip that lid over, it'll be an ice tray. It's your ice bowl. That's right. So then you put the veggie platter on top of that clear plastic lid full of ice and it keeps it cold. So there's, there's your free tip of the day. So <laughs> now you don't have to worry about a lot of things like cakes and bread. baked goods, bread, things like that. However, remember, a lot of cake has um, frosting that may have dairy in it. Yes. So something a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. And so that's another potential food hazard is having that in the sun. One of the most basic, I feel like I'm a lecturer now you kids sit down over there and listen to Uncle Tony. No, usually those are when the kids listen to Uncle Tony, I'm telling them something stupid. Usually it's 
Now you kids go away and stop listening to Uncle right. Tony. Yeah, that's usually the way it is. <laughs> so I appreciate you kids sitting around the campfire. So good. I promise there'll be s'mores when Ooh. we're done. Yeah, we're going to use our grub sticks. Yeah. One of the most basic, simple components in food safety, whether you're at your home, on the road, anywhere, is washing your hands. And the secret to washing your hands, so they always say, wash your hands in the hottest water you can tolerate. For, with soap. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, with soap. <laughs> um, and they always recommend antibacterial soap. Uh, I don't want to talk um, about yeah, antibacterial exactly. soap. I'm not going to say anything because... Um, nope. But anyway, it's just what the food handler people recommend. However... 20 seconds in the hottest water you can stand well by coincidence there's a song yes there it happens is. to be the right length of time just, we're not going to sing it because then we'll have to pay royalties yeah we'll get a takedown notice but it just happens to be the song you sing to folks on their birthday that so, song you yeah know. and and here you can think of, you can remember it this way if you want your diners to celebrate their next birthday sing happy birthday while you wash your hands there you go so there keep them alive long enough to celebrate another day absolutely so and then you know if you have <laughs> you have to wash your hands a lot uh between i don't know different touching different food and all of that yeah you know that how we said to clean your knife clean yeah. your hands too oh, okay yeah. um and uh you could always Sing it to different people just to keep yourself entertained. Yeah. So one for each of your diners, as it were. How's that? I I know we talked about knives. Uh, we I'm not sure if we talked about cross-contaminating spoons and that sort of thing. But one of the things I've noticed or I've seen people do is you'll use the same spoon for different things. Let's get some mayo. Let's get some... Uh, relish let's get this and that and, and that if it's different types of things you might want to have multiple spoons in fact when Plus we it's just gross i don't want mayonnaise in my relish what well, yeah that's true i don't want relish in my mayonnaise yeah well either <laughs> yeah but again when we did i've done a lot of public food stuff too and what we do is we have to wash a bunch of spoons in a commercial dishwasher and then we uh wrap them in plastic wrap and bring them with us that's a little obsessive <laughs> but the health department will check yeah so, they have to and, be sanitized and wrapped before yeah. you and if you use one for a certain amount of time you got to throw it in the bucket and start a fresh one yeah absolutely and then if you do a mobile food like a food booth you have to have a hand washing station and all of that yeah so all right, we're going to come back in just a moment. We're going to take a brief commercial break, and then we're going to talk about another way that you can kill people with food. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> and now on the Poison Hour, Tony and Peggy talk <laughs> tuberculosis. Hey, I see you're packing for our next road trip. Oh, yeah. These are all the ingredients for making different grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub stick. Great, but uh, where are the clothes? I got all kinds of inspiration for making grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub sticks over the campfire. There are 11 kinds of cheese and bacon, bacon jam, ham, 
five kinds of bread. Wait, okay, that's all for making grilled cheese sandwiches? Yeah. I know the grub stick is a perfect campfire accessory made of quality parts that work together for sandwiches, hot dogs, s'mores, woofums, and all sorts of other great meals. But isn't this a bit too much variety? Camping is supposed to be simple. Oh, it's simple to use your grub stick over the campfire or even on the barbecue to make great meals. And even kids can use them safely and easily. Plus, with the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS, you get 15% off your grub sticks. It's the best deal around. Yeah, but it's going to take us weeks to eat that mini grilled cheese sandwiches. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Weeks of grilled cheese. You say that like it's a bad thing. And you haven't even seen what I packed for breakfast and dinners. We are going to be camping for months. My husband is insane. But Grubstick is the perfect cooking accessory for any campfire. And you can get 15% off using the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS from our partners page at StresslessCamping.com. All right, we're back. Do you think it's ironic if we have commercials for cooking products on a show about bad cooking practices? No, because we treat our cooking utensils very well. Yeah, stainless steel. All right. So now I want to talk about something I have seen so many people do incorrectly. And this is just, it just grates like fingernails on a chalkboard when I see this. And you're going to say, my grandma always did it. Yeah. No one ever got sick. But we're going to talk about it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because my grandma and my ma... Both did it. My ma. <laughs> My ma probably still does. Yeah, probably. Defrosting. It is something so many people do incorrectly. So the best way you can defrost something. So obviously, let's say you've got some chicken in the freezer and you want to defrost it safely. Put it in the refrigerator in its own bowl at the bottom of the fridge because you don't want it to drip on the veggies and such. That's the best way to do it. And then you're chicken or whatever the meats will never get above 40 degrees as long as your refrigerator is running properly right because <laughs> that's the idea you don't want the chicken or beef or pork or whatever you have to get above 40 degrees until 40 degrees fahrenheit until it's time to cook till you're, yeah till you're actually cooking so it that's the idea so the the best way to do it is in the refrigerator. Now, now a lot if you have of, a big, giant, fat roast, that's going to take a couple days. Oh, yeah. Be ready. Yeah. Plan ahead. In fact, um, <laughs> Tony the Distracted Man, uh, Thanksgiving, we buy the not-frozen turkeys and brine them in the fridge. So that's, that's how we do that because otherwise you are going to be spending forever waiting for that thing to defrost. Now, let's say... We no. have Christmas dinner for... <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we have, finally th- we have Thanksgiving dinner on Christmas when it finally defrosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's taking so long? Um, <laughs> now, let's say you are in a big old hurry. You want that food. It Dinner is in two hours. And it's like, oh, no. Ah, shuzbot, as Mork used as to Mark say. As Mork would say. On that show. Uh, you need to defrost the chicken. So it's okay to defrost it in the microwave. Ding! Exactly. As long as hey, you're plugged into short power and your microwave works, or you have a generator. <laughs> and B, uh, that you cook it immediately after nuking right. it. Right. Don't defrost it and then put it back in the refrigerator for oh, a couple oh days. Oh, gosh, no. No, because it does start the cooking process right. when you 
microwave it. And so your objective then is to go ahead and, and finish the cooking process. Now, let's talk about temperatures. This is a hot topic. Art, art, art. Man. I wonder how many people are still, if you're still with us, raise thank your you. hand. Yeah, thank you and raise your hand. One, two, three. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> cooking temperatures. If Should I put my hand down now? Yes. Okay. Okay, if you're cooking beef, pork, lamb, or veal, you should measure the internal temperature at 145 degrees while it's still on the grill or in the in pot the or wherever the heck it is. Ground beef, ground pork, and ground lamb should be cooked to an internal temperature of 160 degrees Fahrenheit. Pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the hottest of them all, poultry, should be cooked to an internal temperature of 165 degrees. That is kind of hot, isn't it? It is kind of hot, but it's better than salmonella. Yeah. Who is salmonella? (laughs) He is not invited to my party. No, or mine. We keep him far, far away. So there you go. Those are your food temperatures. Now, holding foods. Again, temperature is a, is a critical thing. Holding foods. If you have hot stuff like chili or beef or any, you know, whatever you've cooked that, that you have made hot, you should hold it at at least 140 degrees Fahrenheit. That's that's the holding temperature of foods. If, it if gets, you made it hot, keep it hot. Right. Exactly. If you have food that is not heated, like let's say, I don't know why I keep looking at potato salad. but I don't know, but I, I sure like potato salad. <laughs> I'm yeah, right there with you. You know what I'm going to add? I'm going to add a, a recipe for a no mayonnaise German potato salad. Oh, then you then you could just leave that stuff on the counter for three days. I don't know about all that, <laughs> but... Uh, there's a German potato salad that has no mayo, and I love it. But that's because it's got bacon. And vinegar. Yeah. You really like that. I do. Well, I'm German, so there you go. <laughs> and that can be served hot and kept at 140 degrees, but it can also be served cold. So if you have stuff that that is meant to be served cold, it should be kept at 40 degrees. 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So, uh, you know, potato salad, of course, dips, dairy products cheese cream cheese oh yeah yeah sour cream all those all those dairy ish things yeah if it's meant to be served cold 40 degrees that's the that's the temperature if it's meant to be served hot 140 or hotter as a maintaining so there you go so again check your food temperatures regularly with your instant read thermometer Uh, make sure that you clean it between tests I, you know, you look at those chef TV shows, and they always, always have thermometers on them. Yep. So, right there in their pocket. Yep. They have those uh, chef uniforms where the they have a little bitty pocket for... Yeah, specifically for a thermometer. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. It's, that's your food safety. Last but not least, sponges. Yeah, when you're cleaning your knives and your dishes and your cutting mats and cutting boards... Please don't use a sponge. (laughs) Those things, those things take on germs and they just hold on to those germs and multiply them. And, you know, you go, sure, take a sponge out and use it today, but throw it away. 
Yeah, or what I like are those little plastic scrubby things. The nylon. Nylon scrubbies yeah. are terrific. They, they like take forever to wear out. They don't harbor germs and bacteria. Well, and we put them in the dishwasher. We put them in the dishwasher and, and bricks, they land so. for, they last for months and months and they are just so much more sanitary than sponges. Yeah. It's just better. So, and then on the road, you could use things like paper towels instead of sponges and rags or those, uh, like Clorox wipes or any of those wipes. Those are yeah. not bad either. Disposable wipes, things like that. So I hope, A, that you're still here with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, all those who are not here with us aren't here with us. They're not here. So hopefully this was something of interest to you. I want you to stay safe out there. And, you know, that that's part of stressless camping is not being sick. But we forgot the most important temperature. How cold should your beer be? Oh, that, well, okay. <laughs> so that's a whole different discussion. And That's you know, not even for food safety. That's just for personal taste. Oh, yeah, and you know, they <laughs> say that the English drink warm beer, but actually that's not true. They would brew in cellars. That's right. And the temperature was actually much colder than... You know, probably about 70 room. to 60 to uh, 70 degrees. Probably 50. Oh, in cellars, yeah, yeah, like 50 degrees. Yeah, that was... So uh, they didn't refrigerate it to 40, but that's right. because it was already at 50. Right, exactly. So, however, there is that uh, brewery that's near our house where they have a chiller for the glass that like squirts the water yeah. in the glass and chills it. So there's much discussion about that. And, and that depends on what kind of beer you're drinking. This is true. So some you want colder than others. And it's not really a safety issue, guys. I was just, you know, thinking about having a beer right now. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. <laughs> and I know we've got some good ones right here with us. So. In the refrigerator. Yeah, we have that variety pack from yeah. Sierra Nevada, which is four different kinds of IPAs. Yeah. All right. This has been Beer Chat. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Tony, and I am your head beer aficionado. Mm -hmm. so, well, that's what we have for you here on Stressless Camping this week. We hope that you enjoyed it. We, we hope, hope that you learned something from it. And we hope that you stay safe and uh, have some great campouts and wonderful meals and all of that. We hope that you tell your friends and like and subscribe our podcast for sure and lastly we really appreciate any reviews that you might have especially the good ones those are our favorite they are <laughs> <laughs> come on we're not biased <laughs> so anyway thank you very much uh, the podcast has grown significantly and, and that's thanks to you so we hope we provide you some value some entertainment and, and we really love that you come camping with us that's right so well Thank you again and happy camping. We hope you enjoyed this week's adventure. Time to get out on your own journey. But don't forget to leave the review on your favorite podcast app and visit StresslessCamping.com for photos, stories, an RV calendar, and more. I'm Stressless Camper Larry Richardson wishing you happy camping.